before you take your seat, why don't you greet two or three more people before you take your seat? I know you've already done it. Just greet two or three more people, introduce yourself to them. everybody. Good afternoon, everybody. Tell your neighbor it's nice to sit next to you. <laughs> All right, we're going to continue our series on wisdom. This is part three of our wisdom series, and today I want to teach on the sources of wisdom, the sources or the source of wisdom. So let's look at our key text, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. Also, Proverbs chapter 9, verse 12. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 12. He says, if you are wise, you are wise for yourself. And if you scoff, you will bear it alone. It's a bit loud for me here. Is it loud for you? Yeah. Can you lower it, please? If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. Say, I am wise for myself. <laughs> yeah. You're the one who benefits if you are wise. And if you scoff or if you reject wisdom, you will bear the consequences of it alone. All right. So we've said a lot so far. I don't want to really go over some of the things we have said. I do encourage you to go on the website and um, listen to the teachings on wisdom. CLF, sorry, CLF Greenwich www.clfgranish.org. Am I right? Yeah. Um, Fola is looking at me when I said CLFI. Anyway, uh, so we're going to talk about the sources of wisdom today. I want to read a few more scriptures, and, uh, and then we're going to get into it. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. He says, where is the wise, where is the scribe, where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. Also another portion of scripture, James chapter 4, it's a bit of a long read, verses 13 to 17. James chapter 4, verses 13 to 17. 
Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, and without hypocrisy. So we're talking about the sources of wisdom. In other words, where do we derive wisdom from? Where do we access wisdom from? So the first source is clearly the wisdom of men, human wisdom. Human wisdom, the wisdom of men, or natural wisdom. This is the kind of wisdom. Now, let me just, again, just repeat one or two things we said in the past to give context for those of you hearing this for the first time. When we talk about wisdom, we're talking about the accurate application of knowledge through understanding. So when we talk about wisdom, this is what we mean, the accurate application of knowledge through understanding. And uh, there are three sources of wisdom, human wisdom or natural wisdom, also referred to as fleshy wisdom in the scripture. This is wisdom gained through observation, application, and repetition, but it is subject to the carnal man, in other words, the unrenewed man, the man within us that is not yielded to God. The wisdom of men. Now, the wisdom of men can be very powerful. This is how scientific knowledge is established. Through observation, through repetition, application, and so forth. There is nothing wrong with it in itself. However, human wisdom is limited in its scope. And it is vulnerable to the demonic because of the sin nature in man. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 12, Paul says this, For our boasting is this, the testimony of our conscience that we conducted ourselves in the world in simplicity and sincerity, not with fleshy wisdom, but by the grace of God and more abundantly toward you, not with fleshy wisdom or wisdom pertaining to the flesh, or wisdom that relates to the temporal. See, fleshy wisdom is only limited to the things of this life. It is temporal. It is also wisdom that deals with the, with, with the sinfulness of man, the unregenerate, unregenerate aspect of man. Another example of human wisdom and the fact that it's limited is in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 4 and 6, where he goes on to say, and my speech and my preaching, Paul the Apostle is talking to the Corinthians, my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. It was not with persuasive words of human wisdom when I came to bring the gospel, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power that your faith 
will not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And I think this is one of the reasons why we have the kind of scandals we have in the church today. People come to God based on persuasive words of human wisdom. People get, quote and unquote, saved or become part of our church based on human wisdom. And because of that, when they face issues that you need the power of God to deal with, they can't. And they behave just like people governed by human wisdom. They respond out of their flesh because their faith is rooted in carnality and human wisdom. That's the scandal we have today. Verse 6, however, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. So, in our faith, for you to be effective in the faith, you need a superior wisdom to human wisdom. You need another kind of wisdom that will govern how you conduct yourself. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 18 to 20, just emphasizes the point of human wisdom. And uh, the notes I gave, I know that we will not go through it all, so I will conclude or I will continue in the next time I teach. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 18 to 20, let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you seems to be wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise that they are futile. So when it comes to the wisdom of this world, God deliberately does things that worldly wisdom will consider foolish. That is why Paul, in talking to the Corinthians, he said, listen, Amongst yourselves, see, there's not many wise among you. Huh. You know, we like to, the church likes to consider itself relevant and wise. But Paul says, see, there's not many wise among you, not many noble, not many mighty of this world. Because God has made foolish the wisdom of this world. For after wisdom, the world by wisdom did not know God. He says, for it pleased God through the foolishness of preaching to save those that believe. And this is why for me, we must never try to be accepted by the system of this world and by those influenced by the system of this world. You have to be confident in the wisdom of God. It is a superior wisdom because God deliberately sabotages the wisdom of this world. He does. You say, why does he do it? That's a different teaching. We won't go into that. So the first source of wisdom is human wisdom. Second is satanic wisdom. Satanic wisdom. This is the wisdom that Satan or the devil and his demons operate by. They operate by a certain kind of knowledge to have a certain kind of effect. Now, whilst human wisdom is limited in scope and vulnerable to the demonic and vulnerable to sin, satanic wisdom is corrupted. 
The wisdom of the devil is corrupted. Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 17. When the enemy fell, once referred to as light bearer or commonly known as Lucifer, when he fell, one of the things that happened is this. Ezekiel 28, verse 17, he says, your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. Hmm. See, sometimes some of you, because of your beauty, your heart might be lifted up. You look at yourself in the mirror and you say, huh, this is a man, this is a woman. Ah, somebody did that before. Yeah, just meditate on that. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. So the guy got so in love with himself that his wisdom became corrupted. Now, what does that corruption involve? He says, I cast you to the ground. I laid you before kings that they, may, they might gaze at you. In other words, I completely exposed you for what you were. Now, when he says that, when we say that the wisdom of the devil is corrupted or satanic wisdom is corrupted, understand what we are saying. It means it is destructive. In the Hebrew, that word corrupted is really to bring something to ruin. So the wisdom or satanic wisdom will always produce destruction and ruin in its effect. It will always be destructive. So any time the wisdom of the enemy is in application, it results in some form of regression. It, involves some, it will result in some kind of ruin. It will result in some form of death that will take place because that's its purpose. His wisdom is corrupted. Now, there are different levels to satanic wisdom. There are different levels. James chapter 4, we read it earlier on, verses 14 to 16. He says, but if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This kind of wisdom where it is motivated with bitter envy and selfishness does not descend from above, but is earthly, first level, sensual, second level, devilish, third level. For where envy and self-seeking exists, confusion and every evil thing are there. So the first thing about satanic wisdom is that it is earthly. In other words, it is wisdom promoting worldliness. What is worldliness? Well, 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 and 16 defines for us what worldliness is. Worldliness is the lust of the flesh. In other words, the things that our unrenewed self desires. The lust of the eyes. In other words, the things that we, we, we pursue from our hearts and the pride of life. In other words, the celebration of our accomplishments regardless of God and depending on ourselves. This is the way the system of this world is governed. This is the way this world runs. It's worldliness. And demonic wisdom or satanic wisdom is first of all earthly. It is things, it is a wisdom that promotes worldliness. Celebrating yourself. The greatest love of all is to love yourself. Rubbish. That is not the greatest love of all. No matter how beautiful the song is. The greatest. 
has love. It's not. It's not. It's happening to me. You are being demonically inspired. Yeah. Learning to love yourself. Yeah. That's not the greatest love. I'm telling you, today we are destroying that song in Jesus' name. <laughs> you have people singing it even in church. No, no, no. The greatest love of all is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's the greatest love of all. Not to love yourself. That's the problem. The cardinal first commandment of Satanism, if you go and check it out, I'm not saying go and check it out, but if you decide to, is to do what you want. Do as thou wilt. That's the, the first commandment of Satanism. The guy's smart. Other religions embrace that. But anyway, let's move on. So, demonic wisdom is firstly earthly. It promotes worldliness. And you see this in the church. You see this in some of our teachings and preachings where we promote worldliness, but we call it success. Yeah. Success, being successful in God. And you know, I, I always like my American accent, being successful. Sorry if you're an American, I like your accent. I think it's fantastic. It's not that you will do this, I just like it. It would sound a bit funny if I said, being successful in God. It doesn't really sound the same as being successful in God. Yeah, so you know, it's not that Americans are bad. They are fantastic people like Nigerians and Ghanaians. <laughs> And British people, they're just like every other person. Amen. But anyway, so first of all, satanic wisdom is earthly. Secondly, it is sensual. What is that? It is a wisdom that empowers the degenerative nature of the flesh. It is a wisdom that empowers your carnality. Tell him whatever you want. Don't allow any man to rule over you. Don't allow any woman to tell you how to dress. Listen then you shouldn't have married her. Yeah. Because that word sensual in the Greek speaks of sensitivity to the animal instincts. It is that which is subjected to the baser nature of a man or a woman. So it is, it is a wisdom that promotes you to satisfy yourself. That's demonic wisdom. You know, as a pastor, I see it all the time. When you're counseling people, you can tell they are operating by demonic wisdom. Of course, if you tell them this is a demonic wisdom, they will tell you, they will say, oh, thank you, and then leave and never come back. So you have to use some way, unless you don't want them to come back. Then you, yeah. <laughs> First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. He said, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, like we read earlier on, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. So this sensuality that demonic wisdom inspires us to will cause us to rely on natural wisdom. And therefore, the things of God will appear foolish. If a man strikes you on the cheek, turn the other cheek. That sounds very stupid. So, you know, we, we preachers will say, he didn't really mean turn the other cheek. He just was kind of, so whatever he meant, we will, we will reduce his impact. 
So in the end, we don't turn the, in fact, we hit them back in the end based on the teaching we heard in church. Don't let any man slap you and get away with it in Jesus' name. Yeah, that's the kind of nonsense that we, we promote. So when, when we're being cursed, we will just, you know, based on, we just return it to center. Return to sender ten times in Jesus' name. If a thief is caught, he must restore sevenfold. So since the devil tried to attack me through you, I return it to you sevenfold. That's the things we do. But these are all demonic wisdom under the guise of Christianity. And then the third element of satanic wisdom is that literally it's demonic. And this word demonic refers to that which is demon-like. It is a wisdom that is literally inspired by demons. In other words, it's a wisdom that gives you access to the spiritual world. It's a wisdom that gives you access to the supernatural. It's a wisdom that empowers you to do the wrong thing with impunity. This is how many, this is why, there are certain things that happen in our world today, you know it is clearly demonic. Even some of the laws of our land are demonic. Because in the court of law, we are not interested in justice, we are interested in who can prove their case with the law. So we all know this guy killed this person, but prove it by law, otherwise we will acquit them. That is not the wisdom of God. That is demonic wisdom. You can say amen or ouch. In Isaiah chapter 8, verse 19 and 20, it's a very interesting verse. He says, and when they say to you, seek those who are mediums and wizards who whisper and mutter, should not the people seek their God? Should they seek the dead on behalf of the living? To the law and to the testimony, if they do not speak according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. Now, what he's saying here is this. There are people who rely on occult power, the wisdom of demons, in order to accomplish things. And he's saying, when they tell you to go to the wrong source, and they're telling God's people to go to the wrong source, he's saying, shouldn't a people go after their God for solutions? Tell them to go to the law or the word of God and to the testimony of his word. But if they don't tell you to go to the law of God and the testimony of this, his word, it is because there is no light in them. So any teacher, any ministry, any person that teaches you in such a way that it inspires your flesh, it inspires your, your carnal nature, it inspires you to seek another source other than the living God, that should be rejected because there is no light in them. Can you say amen? So we have, we have emphasized two wrong sources, human wisdom and satanic wisdom, and now we're going to dwell on what this whole series is about, the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 6 and 7. This is the third source and the final source from which all our wisdom should come from. He says, for the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk uprightly. It is God who gives us wisdom, true wisdom. 
So let's look at James again. James chapter 4 verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? You want to know who is wise and understanding among us? In our homes, in our churches, in the workplace. You want to know who is wise and understanding? Not the person who claims to be. He says, let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. In other words, you want to know somebody who is wise? Look at their life. Look at how they live their life. How a person lives their life will demonstrate their level of wisdom. You want to know your level of wisdom? Look at your life. Your life will teach you your level of wisdom. Just punch your neighbor and say, ouch. You see, you didn't even do it. Some of you, you just, just, just did some sound. I said, point your neighbor and say, ouch. Yes, I'm still not doing it. I'm still not doing it. Yeah, that's, that's okay. <laughs> Verse 17, but the wisdom that is from above has the following eight characteristics. It is first pure. That is, it is clean. It is clean. It is undefiled. Secondly, it is first pure. In other words, above everything else, the wisdom that is from above, above everything else, it is, number one, it is clean. It is pure. There is nothing about it that is shady. It is first pure. Secondly, then peaceable. That means it seeks to bring conciliation. It seeks to be um, harmonious. It is the kind of wisdom that promotes peaceableness. Then it is gentle. That word gentle in the Greek means it is appropriate. It is not crass. It is not out of order. It is in its right measure. It's moderate. It is then willing to yield the wisdom that is from above. It is willing to yield. In other words, it's good for persuasion. You can use it to persuade yourself to do something. It can change your mind. It can change your mind, your way of thinking. You're thinking a certain way, but when the wisdom from above comes, it changes you. Oh, I never knew it. Okay, then I change. You see, at times, when I'm dealing with people and I, and I present the truth, their response tells me their level. See, when you hear the truth, you can say, hmm, or you can say, hmm. You know, the sounds have different meanings. There is, hmm. That means it's gone in. Mm. Yeah, and then there's, hmm. Whatever. I'm still doing this. Mm -hmm. That's your level. It's willing to yield. He says, next thing is, it's full of good fruits. That word good fruits, in other words, it is beneficial. The wisdom from above is beneficial. Remember, satanic wisdom is destructive. But the wisdom from above is beneficial. So when the wisdom from above comes, it will, if, if you, it's in, to do with your marriage, you will hear something that will help your marriage, not destroy your marriage. Just leave him. Just leave her. Now you know that there is something somewhere. If you are single and the wisdom from above come, it will tell you, keep yourself pure. Keep yourself pure. Yeah. There's a song. 
Ring on it. Ring on it. What's that song? Uh, you're acting. You're acting like you don't know. You're acting like you don't know. I actually don't know. I just hear ring on it. But you know what I'm saying. What is it? Every, every I had every something. Oh, all, all the all the single ladies. What's that? All the single ladies ring on it. What's that mean? Ring on it. Ring on it. There is some wisdom there. There is some wisdom in that song. There is some wisdom there. Uh huh. Yeah. There's some wisdom there. Yeah. Because the wisdom from it is beneficial. It will help you. It will help your life. It will help the way you think. It will help how you handle work. It will help. You see, this is why sometimes we're really frustrated as pastors. People under the guise of spirituality behave like idiots in the workplace. But when the wisdom from above comes, it makes you beneficial in the workplace. When everybody's slagging off your boss, you say, no, 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 me, I heard on Sunday wisdom from above. So we don't do this anymore. You might even send them to the podcast. They might even listen to something. Amen. Seven, it is without partiality. In other words, it doesn't take sides. You see, at times, you know, uh, my wife would tell you, if there's an issue that she's dealing with people and she brings it to me, I don't take sides. I don't say, oh, you know, because you're my wife, they're wrong, they're wrong, they're wrong. No, 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 I, I listen. And then I say, based on what you've said, you were wrong or you were right. End of story. You see, some of us, our wisdom has partiality. Eh, if, you, if, you, if you're talking to my wife, even if she is wrong, she is right. If you touch my husband on this issue, I will pluck your eyes out with my fingernails. Never mind that the man was an idiot. I mean, one of the things, let's just, let's just throw this in. I don't understand why when a, let's say a woman catches her husband committing adultery with a woman, another woman, she attacks the woman. No, no, no. You should attack the man if you're going to attack. I'm not saying you should attack. But if you happen to attack, the woman is minding her own business. In fact, both of you should turn on the man. <laughs> um, that's, that is, I'm just talking. I'm not talking the wisdom from above here. This is not wisdom from above. I'm just, I'm just saying if you're operating in that kind of wisdom, then that's the way you should, that's the way you should do it to help yourself. I'm not saying it's the right thing. But the wisdom from above is without partiality. It doesn't take sides. It sticks, it's objective to the truth. What is the truth? That's what it looks at. And the last thing is, it's without hypocrisy. In other words, it's completely sincere. It's completely sincere. Now, these are the characteristics of every kind of wisdom God gives. So, any kind of wisdom from God will have these characteristics that govern it. And I have identified 
different levels, five levels of wisdom, which I touched on in the beginning of this series. I'll just mention them, and then the next time we'll pick up on them. The first level of wisdom from God is, believe it or not, natural or human wisdom. God is the one who gives us wisdom for the natural. But that natural wisdom must be submitted to the Spirit of God. Any kind of wisdom. James chapter 1, verse 17. Every good and perfect, every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. The wisdom that allowed us to have this microphone came from God. The wisdom that allowed us to be able to sit in this place came from God. The wisdom that allows us to sit on a chair comes from God. Any wisdom that is beneficial to the human race came from God. Any wisdom that is destructive to the human race came from the devil. So the wisdom behind abortion is from the devil. Yeah. Hallelujah. Like I said, this kind of wisdom is gained through observation, application, and repetition. And is impartial. It's impartial. That's why the foundational pioneers of the scientific community, most of them were believers. I'm not talking about this bunch today. Now, even today, there's a lot of highly intelligent scientists who are completely spirit-filled believers. But the foundations of the scientific community, a lot of the discoveries today were from believers because natural wisdom comes from God. It was a believer who, through science, proved that the earth was a sphere and that it revolved around the sun and not the other way around. Secondly, godly wisdom. This is the wisdom we learn through scriptures. This is the wisdom we learn through books. This is the wisdom that gives us understanding um, about the ways of God. Thirdly, and we'll, touch, we'll talk a lot more about that next time. Number three, uh, Spirit of wisdom, very, very important. The spirit of wisdom, very crucial. We'll teach into that some more. Number four, word of wisdom. And finally, Christ, the wisdom of God. These are the five levels of wisdom that come from God. And when you operate any of these wisdom, any of these levels of wisdom, when you operate it, those eight characteristics will be evident. They will be evident. Amen. We're going to pray. We're going to receive communion as well. If the ministers can get the communion elements ready and come to the front, Edmund is going to come and he is going to officiate communion for us. Okay, if we could prepare our hearts as we um, receive our communion. Um, we know the passages. I will read it in a minute, but if you are in a place where you feel you're looking to abstain, uh, I will encourage you not to do so. It's important that we as a body, as one people, take communion together. So at this time, as they come, say just take a moment and speak to the Lord. If there's anything in your heart you need, you need to deal with, please do. Don't abstain.
1 Corinthians 11 says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he'd given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He went on to say, in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the, is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. I'll ask the ministers to please hand out the, um, the communion elements at this time. As you receive it, please wait. Don't take it yet. We'll do so together. And just a few words on those passages. Jesus first spoke about the bread, saying it's broken for you. In the same way, his body was broken for our, our, um, our, our sicknesses, our diseases. Whatever situation we find ourselves in, his body was broken. So I just apply faith as you take it. If you're feeling anything in your body, if you have any sort of illness or thing you're facing at the moment, just believe God as you take it, that you are healed and you are receiving your healing. If you want someone to pray with you, uh, if they're sitting next to you, obviously, just ask them to do so. Just believe with you. And he spoke about the cup of the, the, the new covenant, which is his blood. We know that by the blood, uh, without, the remission of, uh, bl without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. Let us believe, again, I spoke about abstention. Do not abstain if you feel you've done something wrong. Because the blood, as we, we read in First John, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you. The blood does still cleanse us today. Again, believe that the Lord will cleanse you through his blood as, as we partake of the communion. Just continue to wait on him as, as everyone else is served and then we'll take together. Right, so if you haven't received any of those, just indicate so that they know who you are.
Okay, Father, we thank you for your body which has been broken for us. We believe at this time, Lord, for healing in our bodies, Lord. Whoever amongst us is feeling unwell today, your presence and your power is present, O oh God, on us. We take of this bread as an act of faith. We believe for healing, Father, for our brothers and sisters this morning. Okay, let us partake of the bread at this time. Okay. With um, at this time, let's also partake of the of the, the wine. As we said, it symbolizes the blood of the new covenant, and believe the Lord is cleansing you if there is anything that needs to be cleansed. As we continue to worship the Lord, and as we receive the cups back, I want Steve to come. He has a word that the Holy Spirit has showed him and want to pray with you and minister to you uh, before we conclude the service. They're very, very prophetic, um, very specific. There is somebody here, your medication, and it's affecting your sleep. Uh, you find it difficult to sleep in the night. And secondly, there is somebody here, a spirit of bitterness. You are so bitter, it's affecting your life, yeah, and it's affecting people around you. And lastly, there is somebody here, spirit of pornography, is really affecting your life. There are so many people here know, but there's one particular person that that spirit is eating into the very fabric of your life. So please, if you are here, you like to pray for you. Yeah, after the service, come and see Steve, please, so that we can, get, we can minister to you. Don't want you to really come right now. And just because you see someone coming to Steve does not mean they have these problems as well, all right? Amen. God bless you. We're going to receive the offering, and uh, um, I want to just explain what we're doing. Um, we're receiving our tithes and offering as per usual, but we want to also receive a very specific offering for our church in Sierra Leone. Now, let me explain. Um, beginning of this year, sorry, the end of last year, I was in Sierra Leone for three weeks, um, around October last year, and uh, we did some training with leaders and so forth. And uh, it was a very wonderful time. But whilst we were there, we went into a community, a uh, very poor community led by a Muslim leader. And the Muslim leader had opened his community to us to preach the gospel. And so we, preached, we had preached the gospel. One of our, our pastors there had preached the gospel there and seen people saved, and there was a, a church there. And uh, the Muslim lead, leader wanted to see me, and basically what he said was that, look, I'm a Muslim, you know, but a lot of my people here are not Muslims, and they will not go to the mosque. However, they will go to church. We were the first church in that area, believe it or not. But what we need from you is for you to build us a church building. If you build us a church building, 
we will also give you a lot more land and you can come and do whatever you want in this, in this community. So really, uh, nearly a year is over. I said to him, he has to be patient with us because um, to build a building of what he's asking for costs between seven and 10,000 pounds. So really and truly, uh, it's, it's been nearly a year now and we haven't been able to do it. We've done a lot more things in Sierra Leone. We have about 16 churches in Sierra Leone and uh, it's a great work and our resources are already stretched. But I really am asking for the Holy Spirit to speak to somebody or somebody's specifically about giving towards this project. Uh, we are trying to raise seven, between seven and 10,000 pounds to build this building in this area. So if you want to give this, now please just let the Lord speak to you. If you want to give this, when you are giving your offering or your tithes of your offering, can you also specifically on the envelope write what amount you're giving towards this specific work in Sierra Leone? Anything else that you are given would not be allocated to that. Um, your usual tithes and your usual offerings that you give, do it as standard. And then on, in October, the first Sunday in October, we will specifically collect this money. Now, if you want to give it before then, that's great. But on the first Sunday of October, we will specifically collect this money. And any monies that you wanted to give in July when we made this announcement is going to go specifically towards this project. Once we raise that money, any other monies that we receive towards missions will go towards um, the work of CLF as, uh, in missions as per usual, the various churches. So I'm just letting you know. So if we give above 7,000, then the rest of that money will go to the various other churches and works that we do. We, right now, we sponsor, um, in Sierra Leone, we sponsor, I think, uh, between, I think, 50 children total. And um, we sponsor 50 children's education every, every month. We also, in Ghana, we sponsor about 150 children. And then in Kenya, we sponsor, I can't remember the amount, but we sponsor children in, in Kenya as well. Uh, we support an orphanage in India. Um, and uh, the, we're trying to even start to help some people in Liberia and so forth. So there's a lot of funds that go out towards the missions that we do. And that is why we are constrained in how we can help this specific community. But the, the guy, the, the apostle there, our guy there, he asked me, please, can we do something for this community? Because we have a good church that is now there, and uh, we just need to help them with this building. All right? Is that all right? Wonderful. So prayerfully consider that. We're going to receive the offering. The ushers come to the front. And uh, I think follow later on, we'll do a presentation. It's, oh, it will just come up there, yeah? Okay, fine. All right. I got, right. Come, I just come to the front. Let's pray. If you need an envelope for gift aid purposes or for the purpose of what I've shared, feel free um, to take an envelope. If you're a guest with us, please do not feel under compulsion to give. Giving is part of our worship. Um, also, if you see people not giving, many of us, we give by a standing order. So if you don't see us giving, it is not because we don't give. All right. Okay, let us pray. Ashes, do you mind coming to the front? I'm feeling a little bit lonely now, you know? Father, we thank you for the privilege that we have to give. And as we worship you in our giving, we ask you will bless what is given in Jesus' name. Amen.